Bendigo and Bandstyle, the mixtape tour is coming to your area of planet Earth. Bandstyle, the Forge Theatre and Arts Hub, Saturday the 18th of September. Bendigo, the Capital Theatre, the 23rd of October. Ticket links on the Rewind80sBand.com website or our Facebook page, Rewind80sBand. Celebrate the music of the 80s with the Rewind80s mixtape tour. Get your tickets now before they go-go. Woo! The 80s montage. I'm Sammy Hart on. And I'm Jay Jovi. And we've got Dallas in the house again. Because just people love you. <laughs> I'm glad you introduced me because I wasn't going to be do your it. new Tinder. <laughs> what, were you just going to creep in sort of slowly, were you? I just frightened cre- people a little, little bit from the, from the <laughs> sides. <laughs> Jesus, what? <laughs> Good on it. you. Thank you for mm. joining us again. This was actually your idea so long ago. And we were like, oh my God, yes, like fucking let's do that. I would never put NXS together with you in s- such a strong reaction, but here we go. Yeah. This is great. This 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 band was my absolute favorite band, I guess. Um Probably in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching Countdown and what and seeing um, "Send a Message." Come right. on, and that was the first song of theirs I heard, and I just I. Uh, you went backwards. It, it switched me on, and yeah, and I went backwards from there mm. and investigated it thoroughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we're looking at in excess in the eighties, just for the eighties period. Yeah, of course they did continue. Michael Hutchins was with them for twenty years, but we'll just be looking at the eighties, the glory Good. period. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely, sure I was. Loved them. Now they were formed in seventy-seven mm-hmm. in Sydney. Mm. In Sydney, yeah. Who do you think's the real hero of this story? Andrew Farris. Really? Yes. Andrew, I think it's Chris Murphy. Oh, do you oh, really? It could be Chris Murphy. Did he die just recently? We recently lost yeah. Chris Murphy, the, the manager of NXS. And Mark Opitz. Ah, uh, yeah. And Nick Lone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Mm. I think they had a lot of bells and whistles behind them. I'll tell you why I think Andrew Farris as we sort of yeah. progress. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm well, on that, board with Andrew. 
Yeah. 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 I've got some, yeah. I he think was so. the gun, wasn't he, that sort of went you out would, and got you, shit done. Out of all of them, you wouldn't expect that Andrew was, oh, I don't know, I really, I really think if you say Michael Hutchins was the face, I don't know. I don't know what an analogy I'm trying to make. You would almost say that Andrew was the soul because everyone idolised Michael Hutchins. Mm, but yeah. but Hutch idolised Andrew. Yeah, he Andrew did. Andrew was like his best, best mate friend. and sort of his saviour, you mm. know. Um, Michael, uh, Michael spent a lot of time initially in Hong Kong. He sort of did a lot of his sort of growing up in Hong Kong. Not sure if he was born there. I think he may, may have been He was born, born in America. Born in America. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. His, his mum and dad used to travel around a lot and, um, they, you know, the dad was in business. They actually lived in sort of hotels and stuff in Hong Kong. So he lived a very sort of fast childhood. It was, you know, getting sort of pulled around the world, which would have been amazing education. But when you're a little kid, maybe. Maybe, maybe a bit hectic, but um, it was hot in the eighties to take your kids over to Asia and work and live over there. Yeah, not many people would have done it. I mean, Richard Massionis did it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh uh, wow, Richard, good old Richard. How you going, Richard? Are you listening <laughs> to our show yet in Queensland? You ah, little motherfucker. There he is. He was a, an Asian. Um, he came from Asia okay. and lived with his family. Beautiful. What, what an incredible education for those kids. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael, you know, when he was a kid, came back to Australia with the family and he he sort of had a sort of private school upbringing and a bit of a British accent. It was, you know, Hong Kong, very sort of big, you know, British culture there as Mm. well. He hung on to that too. Yeah, yeah, he He really did. did. That was sort of intrinsic to his identity was that sort of uh, that British thread, you know. He really sort of, that was a big part of his identity. And um, but it really made him stand out when he was at school. He sort of, um, you know, would would get a bit of grief from from sort of bogan Aussie kids, and it was Andrew that like picked him up out of the dirt and was his mate and his sort of saviour back in those days. And maybe his direction in a lot of ways as well. Absolutely, because Michael would have been a pretty tough cookie to direct a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been on and then he would have been off. Yeah, absolutely. Like he was a dreamer. Oh, what I find really interesting about Michael as well is that, and I think this is part of the secret to his effect on people, What he was nearsighted. He could only see about 10 feet in front of him right. at any given time. Well, so are we. So the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the – um, the people, you know, the things within that 10 feet, the people he was talking to and the people who were engage- he was engaging with, they were his world, you know, and, and they often people within his family, within his sort of circle talk about the incredible effect that he had on them and um, we'll talk a little bit more of that during the show but we're going to sort of play some awesome music in excess all the way through and um, really looking forward to it because we all love an excess. And there is a good thing about not seeing past the first couple of rows. Like if you yeah. just see the first four rows, it's almost not as nerve-wracking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. you get to see the people up the front and then that energy just goes all the way up the back. Yeah. I love being blind on stage. I never wear glasses on stage. <laughs> I totally resonated with that. I have a problem which is oh, – I don't know the difference between nearsighted and farsighted. I can never quite – I don't know. It's like 
I'm just a bit I don't think anybody dumb. really does, but isn't is isn't near sighted when you can see near and far sighted <laughs> where you can see see in the distance. Yeah, short sighted. Yeah, but you can't read. Well then yeah, I can't read. Okay. It's really oh. annoying. So I can see, you know, all the, the people out in front, but irritatingly can't see my keyboard very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Oh, it's the uh, and excess are a big band for Rewind 80s because we do probably more in excess tunes than we do of any other band. Would you say so? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we do four or five. Mm. We have tried Mystify and that died in the arse. I remember we tried Mystify at the Croxton. Oh, yeah. Maddie wanted to put Mystify in and the punters just fucking. In That's excess a tricky is one. a very hit and miss. You yeah. need to do the in excess tracks that people have been attuned to throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. They did in their career float through a few different genre. So, you know, they, they, I guess at the very beginning they were sort of quite punky, quite post-punk, not, po- not post-punk but new wave, you know, that, that sort of yeah. uh, indefinable early new wave stage. Yeah, where, their first couple of albums really um, drifted from rock to punk yeah. and back again but there was some flat chat punk songs yeah definitely um the difference is they had that electronica you know yeah that's right yeah he was he was an interesting kind of component to that band yeah Mm. and sort of michael's voice sort of smoothed out the punk a little bit you know yeah definitely yeah yeah Yeah. um then they would move sort of to pub pub rock and then when they became really international it was sort of big and much more american sounding much more international yeah Yeah. it was a different pub rock though i thought Mm. i thought it was a really big risk Mm, yeah, they yeah, did. for sure. Yeah, and look, by the time they got to that American sound, they they'd almost cultivated themselves with some, you know, that sparse electronica stuff that they were doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, had um, um, yeah, the tracks on um, in excessive, which was that compilation album, mm. that were just um, you know, instrumental tracks, which were really, really electronica and yeah. and very, very cool. Great, great band bu- musically. Really, really tight and uh, unforgettable rhythm section. Beautiful, yeah. oh, beautiful the guitar riffs. Yeah. yeah, and the drums and bass are incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For and me, that was the band. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, yeah. I agree. And they were multi-instrumentalists as well. Mm. You know, they hopped around and they got the job done and they served each song really, really effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now what I love about In Excess is that – there, you know, for such a big, big international success story, which is what they became, they started at the very beginning just mates in school. So, so you know, Michael and Andrew Farris were mates. Andrew was uh, brothers with John and Tim. And uh, initially they were in a band called Dolphin something. Oh, the Farris and- brothers. Yeah, initially Andrew and Michael were in Dr. Dolphin when they were 15. Dr. Dolphin. Yeah. God, that's not a doctor you want around, is it? No, Dr. Dolphin, he (laughs) he had a really big forehead. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they wanted to be um, marine biologists but they changed their mind. And Dr. Dolphin, when when you'd fuck him in the arse, he'd go... Would have been a ripper, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Somebody told me recently that all dolphins are rapists. They, oh, wow. Yes. It's probably, it's probably a generalisation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sounds just like a disgruntled Hashtag staff not member. Not all dolphins. 
<laughs> Sounds like a disgruntled staff member from SeaWorld to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Poor rapists. So in 77 they would actually form the the sort of iconic, uh, you know, six-piece band that was in excess. They started at the, as the, the Farris the Brothers Band. Yeah. And um, that, well, of course, was Andrew, John, Tim, Michael, Gary, Gary Beers and Kirk Pengilly. Yeah. Well, you know, the Farris Brothers came from Perth. So oh, they did. They did. So they sort of arrived into high school midway through. So they were outsiders too with, you know, Michael being a bit yeah. different, these guys, you know, coming in as a family, being from the West and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Gary Gary, clearly that's not his real name. What the fuck is that? Well, man? I'll tell you what that Duran, is. Duran Duran but Gary Gary? Yeah, no. Oh, it's not even that it's cool. Paran Paran. <laughs> It's not cool at all. It's not cool. Why would you and double down? And why would you put a beer at the end? Why? Well, that's his name. Oh, it was okay. his favourite drink. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. But at the start of the whole thing, people kept spelling his name incorrectly, like either one R or two. Oh, yeah. So he just went, oh, fuck it. Best I'll, of both I'll worlds. just do both of them. <laughs> one after the mate. other. Hilarious. So you Gary and then you Gary again. What a marker. <laughs> yeah, double the Gary. Gary. <laughs> Very, very smart. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably not. Yeah. He's in a band with Toby, um, Toby Rand, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In that band now. What's it called? Mm. Ash and Moon or something. have no idea. Yeah. G'day, Tobes. He won't I only know listening. Seb. Yeah. Seb, yes, of course. Yeah, so there you go. So they, what I love about it, they were just young blokes and mates and they just, um, when they all sort of moved from Sydney because one of them was still in school, was it It was John? John. It was John, John the drummer. He's the youngest one. Yeah. He was the cutest. He was the cutest, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the… You would have fucked Michael and then lined up for John. That's that's right. And he would have definitely… Avoided the rest. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably. Oh. Denny Hines didn't yeah. go. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yes, of course. Well, she didn't, did <laughs> she? That's right. She she fucking loved it. Oh God. She loved the white bread of the fucking band. Mm. So they sort of, in support of the the Farris family's move back to Perth, because like you know John was still at school and so forth. They all left. Like imagine leaving Sydney, which would have been like the centre of everything that was happening in Australia. And then going to Perth, which in the 80s, mate, that would have been like another country. You know mm. what I mean? And they um, they all sort of, yeah, drove across the Great Australian Bight. And I remember like um, Michael made this <laughs> Michael made this hilarious fucking observation about per- Kirk Pengilly. And knowing Kirk Pengilly being the sort of keyboardist, saxophonist, multi-instrumentalist and sort of the Salvador Dali of the band, <laughs> you know. <Jesus>. He said <laughs> – he said um, before that he didn't really know Kurt and he um, he said the first thing he noticed was when they were in the in the van going across the Great Australian Bight, he had like all these perfectly cut up veggies in Tupperware containers oh, and stuff and they'd be out in the middle of fucking nowhere and he'd be like, oh, okay, like make a fire and then like make a stir fry like like from all the veggies wow. and everything in the middle of the fucking bush and like Jesus. that sums it up, doesn't it? Like that peculiarity. Yeah, like, he looks like a celery eater. Yeah, he? he does, yeah. he does. <laughs> he yeah. needed to do something to stay in the band, mate. <laughs> I'll be the fucking he, Wasn't boy. he the singer originally before Michael? I've heard that. I'm not oh, sure if that's true. That's real. Yeah. Oh, 
It's just a conspiracy theory. Yeah, maybe. Like COVID, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so they did, oh, yeah. They then did like a hell of a lot of, um, you know, mining towns and regional towns throughout WA and they're really, really fucking rough, you know. So they sort of cut their teeth on the, all those like rough pubs and everything, you know. So their their sound would have changed dramatically going from Sydney and doing the, you know, the pubs and everything in Sydney to, to over there in WA. It would have been like fucking madness in the Well, 80s. they threw shit in WA. They threw beer cans and stuff. They wanted to kill them. Mm. Like they'd go into the towns and the coppers would like pull them up on stuff and say don't root any of the women and like, you know, all of that shit. And that's all the chicks would want to do when they saw them, you know. And so it was like um, some of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry, some well, of them. we are in Perth. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, probably all of them. All of them, all right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Love yeah. you, Perth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So um, I love that about them. Just like gigs, 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 and then it was like that for the next ten years. They yeah. were hard workers, and in those years you were, and you drove everywhere. You didn't fucking get a plane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got in a Tarago or a fucking beat it up old batshit. Car, yeah, yeah, that fit all your gear in. Should we play another track just Absolutely. while we're at it? First track was Semi, first track was uh, To Look At You, which is from Shabu Shabar, yeah, Shabu which Shabar was the third album which came out in 82. 82. Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe I like that album, I yeah. do too. It's maybe my favorite from, from the early 80s, mm. yeah, and to think not many people had heard about them as yet either because mm. mm. they were quite undercurrent. Yeah. Like they had a couple of different audiences, um, which was incredible. But we'll play this one. I think this Stay Young is from the first album mm. under the yeah. covers or whatever it is. Well, Und- the first album was in excess. The second was underneath the covers. Underneath the – I think it's underneath the covers. Or mm. maybe this underneath is the colours. Underneath the colours, sorry. Colors. Yeah, so this is the single from Underneath the Colours. Yeah. Great drumming. Mm. That always blew me away. Bass is great as well. Oh, everything. Ev- everything. So you just think how young they would have been at this stage. Yeah. 81 for this album. 81. And this yeah. was so fucking good. It's so – everything just is glued together so well. Yeah, it is. And the production's great on it too. Mm. Um, Richard Clapton, Curly Head. Yeah, that guy, Richard that Clapton, guy. that's right. Yeah. He was mm. a big – he was responsible for a lot of this, you know. Yeah. yeah. I actually saw him being interviewed about it the other night because he's just about to go out and tour again. He goes, he? no one realises I produced that that record, you know. Oh, wow. I've chased Richard Clapton down Chapel Street one day. I'd chase him. 
I did. I was fucking so excited because <laughs> I love I am an island. Oh, yeah. We should have, yeah, and I loved I am an island and I was like, that's fucking Richard Clement. And I had a trivia show at Revolver so I needed guests and I thought if I catch him, but he walks really fast for my little legs. I couldn't catch him. <laughs> Does he? I may have chickened out though. He's got quite little legs too. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, have yeah, thought he was Oh, yeah, but I wasn't big. a fast walker. Mm. I used to think he was blind. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I thought he was Roy Orbison. Right. Yeah. He's like he was, a fat. At Roy Orbison. Yeah, but he used to be quite skinny. And I never thought he was from New Zealand. I didn't know. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that You know, either. his uh, bass guitarist and musical director of his band for many years was my cousin. Yeah, right. Matt. Is yeah. that how your cousin talks? Loved him, no. Oh. No. no. <laughs> just like <laughs> my cousin, my cousin. <laughs> just, yeah. 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 Well, Richard's yeah. been around since the 60s, hasn't he? Fuck yeah. 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 Yeah, he's an old guy. Oh, I'm an island for me. That is probably one of my all-time favourite fucking songs in Australia. Really? Well, which is New Zealand obviously, but the start of it, dunk, 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 like fuck, it's like starting up a fucking gun or something. I love it. Can I ask you a, a sort of uh, weird question? If you were an island, what island would you be? If I was an island? <laughs> well, it's... See, it's not about an island, though. I know, but I'm just asking a random question. Um, I don't really. Phillip do Island? Islands. Not Phil. Yeah, well, it's only up the road. Tasmania. Phillip, well, I was born in that Tasmania. Oh, island. you'd be Tassie then. I would. Well, yeah, maybe. Tassie's beautiful. Is it? Yes. I've never been. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, I keep thinking I'm trying to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. When I was ten, I was bored. Mm. What about you, Dallas? What island would you be? <sighs> There's so many islands to choose from. Oh, the Seychelles Islands. No, I, I wouldn't be a wanky island like that. No? Oh, they're, no, no, they're beautiful. They're yes, like... yes, it's all very pretty. No, I wouldn't. I think I'd like to be an island in Victoria somewhere, you know. Okay. Windswept and shitty with about four kangaroos. Right. And <laughs> a couple of quadders. Oh, shit. Bit of a, I'd like to be the quad quadder island. Oh, lovely. Where's but, that one? We, we, we flew over there. About, talking about Rocknest Island. Rocknest, yeah, yes. That's, that's a bit rough though at Rocknest. It's a little bit fucking Frankston, it's isn't not it? Rock, <laughs> it's not Rocknest. It's we ro- flew, Rotnest. We flew from <laughs> Perth, for a bar. Perth to Rocknest. The Rocknest. <laughs> and I yeah. thought I was going to yeah. fucking die. And this is why I won't go flying with Maddie because we flew in a – Six-seater aeroplane and the guy's like, got no fucking instruments to see if there's another plane coming. All I do is look left and right and I'm like going, what oh, the fuck? fucking hell. Jesus, dude. Maybe, maybe keep the inner monologue on the inside, mate. That's he what I was I'd trying to scare me. He probably won't. Because we, we were doing Countdown the Musical in Perth for Brian Mannix and we were going over on our day off mm-hmm. and we got sausages and just got hammered and fucking <laughs> sausages. You know, <laughs> stayed there the night. That was our outing. Sausages, rock necks, necks, nest. Yeah, rock necks, sausages, snags at the rock nest. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. come yeah. down. It's very caravan park. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hasn't someone taken a photo of that little rocky? Quackers. Quackers. Yeah, everyone takes photos Do of they? Because yeah, they've got little they, smiles on their it, face. That's it, they're grinning little fuckers. Oh, yeah, they come up, they're inquisitive, you know. Are they? Yeah. 
Wow. I patted real koalas in the wild on Magnetic Island in Townsville just a couple of weeks ago. Did you really? I did. I was amazed. Mm. And they're because fu- they're fucking like high bombed out of their brain they from are. eating the eucalyptus. Yeah. And so you come up and pat them <laughs> and they're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're very chill. Got a beer? Like, um, like when your mate's sort of, you know, stoned on the couch and he's meant to give you a lift home. Like, hey, wake up. <laughs> Where? They are yeah, and they chill. look at you with these big eyes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Sorry, I can't. But I have to say, if we're on to koala stories, right? Yeah, right, okay. Were you with a goth or not um, a goth? What? Were you with a goth in no, this story? No, I'm not no, with okay. a goth in this story. <laughs> Jesus. I, I bet there was a goth in there I somewhere. Bet there is. It's widely known that I'm a goth magnet. <laughs> you I know are, that. You are. A goth sympathist. <laughs> I'm goth adjacent. <laughs> right? <laughs> but my nephew's dog got mauled by a koala. Wow. And lost an eye. I thought you were going to oh say mauled by goth. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your, nep- no your nephew's dog got mauled by a koala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lost an eye in the experience. Yeah, ah. they're pretty violent. They've got claws, man. And, they can turn. And if they haven't got enough leaf. Most drug addicts are like that. They've got a side to them, you know. Yeah, this is, this is, this is a dark side to the koala. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. mate. They're not as cute <laughs> as you fucking think. Oh, no. Shit. All right, well, back to it, excess. Sorry Please. for the tangent there. <laughs> They're always funny, though. Now, um, Michael Hutchins' girlfriend from the sort of end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, before oh, Michelle. Michelle Bennett, which okay. everybody knows. Oh, so jealous of her. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah gorgeous cheek. It was a, a girl called Ananda Brixton Smith, and she sort of got Michael onto all the kind of literature and stuff. You know, he used to read literature, and mm. every time they'd ask him in interviews, he'd be like reading some fucking book you'd never heard of and, mm. and stuff. Uh, and because his writing was incredible, his connection to uh, like the poetry that he wrote, like even before he was singing that he bought to Andrew from the very beginning. Like Andrew was blown away. Like it was just incredible. And he didn't ever write um, about fictitious – like he didn't ever write from somebody else's perspective. You know, like Michael Jackson would write and it'd be like he'd write for another character sort of, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Michael's stuff was always about him or people that he knew. Like it was sort of like very, very personal, you know. So and um, and it was this girl Ananda that that sort of really got him him sort of uh, involved with this sort of connection to literature. She had this awesome quote, and it was, "There's no aphrodisiac like being listened to sincerely." And she said that was the key to Michael. Like the when- Whitlam's fucking ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said that was the key to Michael. Was that like when you were speaking? He was just like soaking it all up, you know, like it was about the listening. There you go, fellas. Wow, being attentive. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Who Have knew? you? I do. If a guy <laughs> listens to you, they're going to fuck you for sure. Oh, God, so not if you're me. Yeah. Anyway, that's whatever. Oh, yeah, if they listen <laughs> and they give you those eyes, you're fucking, they're yours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, theirs, I mean. Mm. Yeah. So I love that quote. Beautiful. It is good. Yeah. Now, when Chris Murphy came on board to manage, he was really impressed. He saw saw him in the pubs, I think in Sydney maybe, and he sort of like came backstage. He was sort of like no bullshit straight away and he was like, right, 
if I manage this band, you can imagine him saying this, if I manage this band, we've got to go to America. And he said like Michael put his hand up straight away. Like Michael was in it 100% and he was the first one to, to, to know, you know, throw himself in there, which is interesting because sort of later on he would have a very different kind of perspective of fame and everything, you know. But he was the first one in there. So, you know, it was always their aim to make it really big and really international. That's what they were that's what they were working up towards. Yeah. Because um, he was only a cover band dude. That's right. He was only running cover bands, I think, in Sydney at some agency. Yeah. And they he didn't didn't actually it wasn't easy to get. Like Chris mm. was like, I don't want to do this, fuck this. And then that was the thing you said. Yeah. To make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon if Michael had said nothing, that wouldn't have fucking happened, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Well, they used to play there. They used to sort of like rehearse and play their originals during the day and then at night they'd play covers. And so like every now and then like in their cover sets they'd like slip in, you know, a couple of originals. Yeah, it's that whole thing. Rolling Stones did the same thing, didn't they? That, that similar formula? I think they were a covers band. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I everyone was. Yeah, yeah. And everyone that isn't is anyway. Yeah, yeah. All the dinosaurs are still doing covers. Oh, they are covering their own stuff, mm. which is funny. Now, by 83, they were sort of starting to hit the US festivals and everything and they were really excited when they started going over because um, the fans were singing, you know, their words and stuff. That, that would have blown them away, you know. That would have been amazing. So we're up to about sort of 83 period now. So, so. with – Chris signing them as an artist, didn't they do Australia for another couple of years, hardcore touring and then go over or? They went over it... every now and then. Right. But there's, yeah, awesome footage of them like turning up, um, you know, playing some festival I can't remember the name of in 83 and you can see they're just like jumping out of their skin. They can't believe that the Americans is like singing their lyrics and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, of course they were just like they – were, they were gigging every fucking day at any given time whether they were touring or not, you know. So, yeah. Well, let's play another track just while we're waiting. Stuff was the best, yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. going back. That's 1980 or something. The first mm. album, just mm. keep walking. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it sounds so different to what we were seeing in Australia at the time, like your Midnight Owls and your, and your Sunny Boys, and it was just a bit funky and and brand new. And the keyboards would have confused the fuck out of the punters yeah. because mm. there wasn't much of that happening with 
you know, like keyboards and stuff like that. Is he, is Michelle in the video of the first track we played? I'm sure that's her on the table. Mm, I don't be. know. Okay, so because I remember Sally Freud knows her really well, who's James's wife, and when they did the In Excess fucking sitcom, whatever it was, Michelle play was played by an actress and Sally Freud went, oh, the actress is a fucking pig compared to Michelle. <laughs> oh, no. And it was just so funny because I thought, yeah, I can imagine she would have been. But <laughs> the, the video um, uh, where there's – I think it's the first track where they're sitting at the dinner table and they're eating grapes and shit and Michelle's the one with the dark hair. Yeah, you used yeah, to put her in I the videos know. as well. Uh, possibly no. because she was on the scene by that period. So, yeah, it yeah, yeah, it could have been yeah. that. Could have been her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she was go. cute. I love that song. I love the vocal performance. I love everything about it. And and I think part of their part of their appeal at this stage is when the songs began, you did not know quite where they were going to go. Yeah. So the intros kind of didn't give away too much, you know. Yeah. Um, so there was an element of surprise. Was yeah, the great. Th- funny thing about these first two albums is I loved the verses for almost every single song. The verses were really good. But then sometimes the choruses, with the exception of Just Keep Walking was really great, but the choruses were often really weird and sort of undercooked, yeah. Yeah. you know. It wasn't until they got to Shibu Shiba that they really managed to nail the, the, the centre of the song. Yeah. You know, not just kind of dancing around the edges and making a really good track. But there was so much potential in these first two albums, so many beautiful moments. Yeah, yeah. But it never quite came together like occasionally. Do you think having Mark Opitz come in on the, on the scene actually really made that change for them? Yeah, look, maybe. But, I mean, they, they – as far as I know, they did go to him with – Complete songs. Mm. So with with first chorus all written, ready to go. Yeah, he just you know really refined. Because that is a big Mark Opitz um, thing, isn't it? To to have like well, he was strong sort of doing choruses. everyone. He was doing yeah. the models. He was doing yeah. the excess. He was doing all the big all the big guys. Yeah, mm. and I don't think they were keen on having him on board. And then all of a sudden, these songs just came to life. Yeah, yeah, and he was just. The main thing they needed, I think. Yeah. You know. Well, it solidified the sound, you know. Yeah, yeah. They went absolutely. from having albums with really varied tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, you know, oddball electronica stuff and then some really funny jumpy little punky tracks. And then he took those tracks, like Just Keep Walking and and said, look, this is your sound and you, you yeah. can hear it in Shibu Shiba. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really, you know, it's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Really good. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, do we have anything from sort of 1984 like uh, um, The Swing? I love The Swing. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we've got a couple from The Swing because this is one of my favourite albums that I love. This for me is when things really started clicking and this is like the sweet spot between uh, really hitting your straps musically and not being too big where you're starting to, Yeah, you know, they wrecked. didn't lose their credibility on this album no. at all. No, Very no, good. here we go. Yeah. Know of the original sin 
It just thumps, doesn't it? Yeah. I know what I'll be fucking playing in the car on my way home. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm just do fucking it too. love it so much. Yeah. Love it so much. Love everything about it. Love the clip. Everything the f- about the it. The thing I find funny about this song is that how people misinterpreted it. Like they thought it was about a black boy and a white girl when it was about the kids at school. Yeah. Kids at school and playing and all that sort of stuff and how they would play together yeah. and, and, and there was no issues, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I really find because I, I, when I got this record, I won this as a prize on Eon FM <laughs> on Australia Day actually. I think it was the Anzac Day pack or something. And this was one of the records I got and I found the cover really vibrant and just interesting. Like yeah. the cover was like, fuck, yeah, so many pictures. The cover, cover so of many the photos. Album. Yeah, the cover of the yeah, album. So and many photos to look through. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that, they were so candid. Yeah, yeah. They were and they were pink and blue and yellow yeah. and and sort of drawn in or even, you know, way before AHA came out, this was all yeah. new. Yeah. And I remember thinking I might listen to this album because it looks interesting and it was Michael on the cover that really drove yeah, it home the eyes, for me. Yeah, And then I, I think Original Sin I loved but when I got to hear the rest of the record I was like, fucking mm. hell. And that's where the Nick Lorne thing for me starts coming in and I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. This is crazy schizo shit. Yeah. yeah. It was wasn't only, normal. There was only one track I didn't like on the swing. Which one? Uh, all the voices. I didn't mind all the voices. I had to be in the mood. Yeah. Hear mm. the voices. It was very chanty, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. But mm. we have a favourite song on that album oh that we God, love. Me too. And I this is too. where you hear Nick Lorne. Yeah. And, and I'm just brilliant. like, oh, my God. And we, we, we should just play that because I know we both love it. Bye. 
God, it's so good. It's so good. It is. It's brilliant. <laughs> and you can hear, um, you know, the post-punk. It's kind very of British in there. Yeah, you know. It's funny because we got the first single, which was original scene. It was very American, and yeah. then when you heard this, you went, "Yeah, this is like British," which Nick Launay obviously was, and he changed it to sound sort of massive attacky meets Morrissey oh, yeah. or something. Like yeah. it was just a different flavor again. Very, ahead and it of was its like time. a fucking mixed lollies. Like, oh, I'm gonna have this fucking yeah. lolly. <laughs> you know when you fucking chucked out the. Raspberry things, yeah. and then you found a jewel, you know. Yeah, yeah. My favorite album, uh, my favorite song off the album would be Burn for You. Um, mm. And especially sort of growing up in, in Far North Queensland as a kid, yeah. this sort of tropical sound and vibe to it really resonated. So I did sort of um, original sin and the sort of, uh, the sort of, like uh, Asian-y flavour to it, you know what I mean? Um, that really resonated up there. So like this is a really, really strong um, memories for me sort of a- as a kid, you know, like this is like the soundtrack to that sort of period for me. And uh, this was the first vinyl I ever owned, I think. I think it might have been mine as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Fuck, I'm I think old. it was. Really? Yeah, well, I was in the country, oh, <laughs> so you know, it was tricky. You couldn't get your hands on the good shit <laughs> yeah. of any kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I was buying. My parents were buying records for me, mm. and mine was Earth, Wind, and Fire, and we just brought everything. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm sure Olivia would have had two records. I would have had before this. This would have been later years for me, vinyl wise. But yeah. I. Found it a little bit overplayed in areas on the mm-hmm. radio, and it used to make me a bit angry because I wanted to enjoy the record in my own space. Yeah. yeah. But you would hear Burn for You, you would hear original scene on every fucking hour, every hour, which is really good for Australian records, I guess. But it kind of took it away from me. So yeah. I still treasure the, you know, little tracks or the. Yeah. It's that sort of frustrating period when you love an artist um, and you love them early. And they start to drift away from you out into the wider public domain and That's everyone right. starts loving them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, I want them to just be mine for a little while. That's longer, it. You know? And I, I really wanted this band to be huge but then when they started to be huge I was really annoyed about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, how dare everybody listen to this? Because they yeah. kind of – did they go – did they get Nile to do original sin before they even went to America, or they had already been over there? What was the story? Like they were going, they were, doing they were the going unis? back and forth. They were going back and forth and stuff. They were touching on it, touching on the US and That's stuff. That's a lot of money to just touch on something. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were real. Like that was their goal. That was the that was the driving force of what they were doing together. You know. And this is what I like about Chris Murphy. And this, I guess, comes from spending money and putting putting your money where your mouth is. He would have spent millions of dollars in aeroplane fucking fees, hotels, talking to people to get this band up where they were because not many bands were making that move at this stage Mm. and actually taking a risk. Not many younger bands. That's right. Older ones were doing it but these guys were young, you know. Well, the older ones had money, mate. They'd worked but the youngies and it was like – Chris Murphy for me was a little bit of a hero in this era. And getting Noel Rogers, that wouldn't have been an easy thing. 
No. No, that's right. And he was hot at this time. He was doing Madonna. Yeah. He was doing so many different artists. Yeah. Where we all knew as kids who Nile Rodgers were. He wasn't just chic. Yeah. Mm. He was, yeah. you know. Interesting that so many sort of rock artists were wanting to work with him. You know, I, I find that really interesting and I love that fusion between sort of disco and rock, like what Niall did with his career in the 80s, you know, mm. to, to sort of reinvent himself and, and the, the legacy that he had on all these rock artists in the early 80s, incredible. I don't mm. think many guitarists could play like he could. No. No. Yeah. It was that He had a very clean, specific style. Absolutely. And yeah. you try and get a guitarist to do something like Niall Rogers, you've got fucking high hopes in hell because I've done it. For years, gone. Play like that. Play like that. They don't get it, and not many guitarists can do that. Mm. No, because he never overplayed anything. No, it's always Even funk always cool. Yeah. Always yeah, cool. Very cool. tasteful. Yeah. yeah, he never overdid it. I just wanted to add that the Japanese thing was huge in these years. Yeah, Every yeah, it video was. clip was using the what are the girls? Beautiful Japanese the girls. The geishas. We were yeah. all going to Jap- Japan for holidays if you had yeah. the money. I actually want to do an episode called "I'm t- Turning Japanese" and all talk about papers. like. All the all the tracks and everything yeah. from that period that mm. re- it reference. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. huge, and also Queensland videos were being made in Queensland <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah, oh, it's pretty yeah. exotic. Yeah. Isn't the it? tropical <laughs> they alternative. They were coming over. Like, um, yeah. I remember Queensland was used for. Um, Endless Road by fucking and I want you to know. They had a Tarago Mm -hmm. and jumped in and did the big pineapple and shit like that. (laughs) And as a kid that was exciting to see those areas on your holidays where the video clips had filmed. Yeah. Like there's the big fucking pineapple. Yeah. Like you lost your fucking mind. I ran around (laughs) in circles for hours with bananas going, Mom, this is in a video. They did have no idea what I was talking about (laughs) but – it was like when my dad took me to the pub where they filmed Let's Dance. That that my life was made. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Great. yeah. Oh, brilliant. So we sort of skipped over Shabu Shabar a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. And you played um to look at you right at the start. To mm. look at you, which yeah. is a great track, and obviously don't change. Don't change. That's yeah. the big one. Okay. Yeah. Now I had a really weird thing happen to me yesterday. Oh. Which was I, I've been doing some writing at the moment, and I was doing a little bit of research specifically about my grandmother because I was doing I was writing a piece about her, and I've always I'm when I'm writing I'm sort of trying to uh, include my relative musical influences in what I've been writing about because oh, wow. they're all musicians. Mm. Love it. And um, she used to play this piece, and I remembered the name of it because. Now, I was a kid when she when she played it a lot. She played a lot of. I didn't Manon know office. your grandmother played piano. Yeah, she was brilliant. Wow. And my grandfather played for silent film. Oh so they, wow! The two of them were really very good. Wow! Yeah. So that's like all the speaking. They were doing all the speaking. You know yeah. what I mean? If they were doing silent film, well, that's it. That's brilliant. So she used to have this one piece that she played, and she really was proud of this piece that she could play so beautifully. Oh. It was very obscure. It was by a German composer called Sinding and it was called The Rustle of Spring and it's really complex and whatever. So I last night bought a copy of this piece and I thought I'll play my way through it and I'll see if I can find some inspiration in this to, to do some writing. I got to like page three and I found the riff from Don't Change. Get fucked. Oh, wow. No shit. Get fucked. Right in the middle of it. The wow. starting keyboard riff. Shit. Wow. Even down to the timing, it's exact. 
Holy shit. Exact. And I thought to myself, did Andrew Farris, who probably <laughs> you fucked Andrew Farris just then? Yeah. <laughs> you Sorry. fucked him. This will be like fucking. We're hey, gonna fucking ring him up and this task is not him, mate. Like We're gonna fucking kookaburra. Him. This, kookaburras, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. a kookaburra. Yeah. You fucking gaddy cock kookaburra yeah. no. tits in the old gum this is, tree. This is your kookaburra yeah. moment, Andrew. <laughs> we you always wanted one, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to email him today. I just didn't get time. Did you email him? I didn't. I wanted to. I haven't had the time. I'm going to do it. I'll get back to you. Do it. But I reckon that as a kid he probably did, you know, all the music examination and stuff. And this was probably on the list Because they were a big musical family. You know, like generations of musicians as well. So I think at some point, this is my, as I had this realisation last night, I thought. What a freak. He was probably fucking around with the keyboard sound and just running this from this piece. Yeah. And somebody went, that's a shit hot riff. And he's, yeah, that's good, isn't it? I did it myself. <laughs> Fucking great. Yeah. yeah. So, isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, oh. it's, uh, the piece is over 100 years old. Sucks so being no. a muse, doesn't it, Andrew? Oh, yeah, eh? we'll get in there. We'll <laughs> dig it up. You should write to him and go, look, I just want to know. Look, just yeah. send me some money and I'll <laughs> remain quiet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh fuck it, fuck. He'd hate it, wouldn't he? <laughs> I think he'd like it because there's not many musical people in the world anymore that would look at it that way. Like you have some very spiritual experiences on your own. Mine's usually Don't with I? a vibrator, <laughs> but yours is fabulous. <laughs> Mine's with sheet music. <laughs> there you go. Always working. <laughs> awesome. It. Not too many people would have had that discovery, I imagine. Now so would, that's awesome. Yeah, which I think say don't change is bigger now than what it was Shabu Shabar days. Yeah, definitely. Mm, it's I interesting. Think it's become oh, iconic. really? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think Shabu Shabar was a very big album. Mm. I Not think people huge, did huge. what I did, and yeah. they heard the swing and they loved it, and they went. This band's pretty shit hot. What else have they done? Yeah. And then they've gone, holy shit. Yeah. That yeah. album with the sausage dog on the front. Is this a sausage dog? <laughs> I thought it was a whippet. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whippet good. Because Shabush Bar offers something that the swing doesn't, which yeah. is that darkness and the space. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the swing's yes. spacious, but it's a little bit more funky and it's mm. more forward, you know. Yeah. But the Shabush Bar, it is. Yeah, it's 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 got this really special sort of darkness about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, it's always because we do Don't Change in, in the band and it's always intrigued me that everyone loves it. But when I remember as a kid, I don't think that was that popular. No one knew it. No, no yeah. one knew it. Mm. So it's the cover band scene that's actually made it huge again. Yeah. Because yeah. musicians love In Excess. Mm. So they've gone and played their favourite In Excess tracks and I think that's how it's become so big in Australia. And yeah, so right. Yeah, and it's just exactly. Because mm. it's a great song. And it was originally too. Yeah. I know, but yeah. no one had yeah. heard it. Yeah. Like I was like, who's this band when I first mm. heard it in some yeah. dumb shit cover band and yeah. then I put two and two together. But mm. the swing for me was where I really discovered them mm. as Yeah, me well. too. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to email Andrew. Oh, that's such a I cool I just want to know if he, if he played it. I don't Have care. him over for dinner and shit. We'll come and, and meet up with him. Let's do He's it. He's got a new album he wants to flog. He does. He's wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, well, oh. they all wear fucking cowboy that's hats in the end. That's what you do. You know, know, isn't it? He's going to film a video in fucking Queensland soon, apparently, on the fucking big pineapple. Of course he is. 
So, yeah, Shabu Shabar, I really didn't know much about it until um, the original sin sort of came out and I started looking into that. But like I say, I don't reckon I would have been, wouldn't have been a fan if I hadn't won the album as a prize. Right. Wouldn't have known. Yeah. I mean, I knew original sin and danced around it and all that stuff, but it was the Eon FM <laughs> Anzac Day package where I got Little Heroes and all these Aussie bands, which were incredible. So the next album was what? What are we looking at next? Listen Like These. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a funny one, Listen Like These. I didn't love it. And I, I actually went to see them at the Entertainment Centre in 85 and right. um, they they did this thing that bands used to do where they played all their um, old stuff and then they'd chuck in some tracks from the new album, even mm. though they were touring the new album Promoting theoretically. Mm. They didn't really play it. They do now because everything's so instant. But back mm. then it took so long for the album to get out and about and people to hear it and get promoted. That's a good that point. They were really playing older stuff. Yeah. But I wasn't a big fan. Of, of Listen Like Thieves. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there were a couple of good tracks on it but it didn't grab me. I wasn't a big fan of the desert and denim jeans. Yeah, there's something oh. a bit bogany about yeah. this album. Yeah, there is a little bit. Mm, kicking but, uh, the dirt, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't, didn't Where did they it. kick the dirt? Do we know? God knows. Just a little bit in front of them, I think. Werribee? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I was pretty small in 1985. Not that I've gotten much bigger. Maybe a couple of centimetres. Oh, my God. Where? Yeah. Up. Up. It's okay. Yeah. Taller. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had tickets that I'd gotten from Maya. I remember you had you could go to Maya. I went to Maya many times. To get times. your tickets, right? So I got the tickets and I think we were in row 14, which was pretty great. But I was tiny mm. and um, one of the, the bouncers had come up the middle of the aisle and grabbed me. And taking me down to the front row. Wow, they used to do that. Yeah, because oh, wow. I was like, you know, tiny, small. So they yeah. took me down to the front row, and it was. I could imagine you as a little girl. Oh, it was so great. You would have been like a weirdo looking around, like I remember what I wore. Do I you? What did you wear? Describe it. I can. I can. I wore black. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. What a surprise! Hang on a minute. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Did you have jelly bean shoes on? No, oh, I wore black Fabergés. Oh, Fabergés were great. They made, used to make your ass look hot. Yeah, I had a Fabergés with a shit. I had a black shirt Ooh. with a belt loosely Ooh. draped around it, as you did <laughs> back then. Oh yeah, 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 draped. like the Henry VIII look. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that makes sense. And I had these pointy patent leather shoes, which I thought were the best. Oh, yeah. that would look great. They were black, pointy, and they had this leopard print thing on the front. Oh my god! How was the I, hair? I don't. Really remember? I think it was, I think it was just short. short. I always had short hair. Yeah. Do you still have those shoes? No, I don't know what happened to them. Do you know what? That's my biggest downfall. Is I used to buy the pointy shoes with the buckles and the Madonna white boots with the fucking all gone. Yeah. And they know. used to cost cost you four hundred bucks in the eighties. They weren't yeah, you know, fucking cheap. That's funny. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Jeans in the 80s, if you wanted a pair of 501s, they were 105 bucks. Yeah. yeah. They're still yeah. that. You yeah, know? they are. 501s, put it backwards. What's going and it's on? 105 bucks. Yeah. Wow. Perfect. Perfect marketing. Sammy, I remember you like saying, saying some comment about like fucking, I don't know, dudes come in here with their fucking girlfriends with their pigeon toes and their fucking... <laughs> 
their uh, their pointy shoes and their pigeon toes. I remember that. <laughs> what what <laughs> are you talking about? Pissing that doesn't sound like me at all. And whenever I hear somebody say pointy shoes, I think and pigeon and pigeon toes. toes. <laughs> I must have been smashed. Coming with their fucking pigeon-toed girlfriend. <laughs> pigeon toes was big in the eighties. What? It was big. Yeah, it was a it big. Was I know what you why? mean. It was okay. a big thing musically as well. Yeah, it was. Why? Okay, I'll give you an example of a fucking pigeon toe. Oh, she's. Okay, Jesus. she's moving. Yeah. Oh, Who's that? okay. All right. Cool. All well, right. it's everyone. It's Pierre Su- Pierre. It's Pierre. Echo with Su- Susie. Toe. Susie Sue. Yeah. She did it. Yeah. Right. Pigeon toe. Pigeon toeing on stage okay. and walking. I get it. Was very and even Hutchie did it. I reckon. Yeah. 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 Because he looked like. It was, was a very sort of slinky, slinky way of doing it. No, is that why? It was just a dance. No, they just put know. their feet in together like a fucking pigeon. Yeah. Pigeon toes. Fuck. I'm sure Susie Sue started that. I I'm think sure. they were the leftovers of kids when they had pigeon toes because you really had to get – you really had to <laughs> – <laughs> you know, if you had pigeon toes, it you was, had to educate your feet. It was the mark of the devil yeah. in their walk. Kids, <laughs> I know – Kids still today that are pigeon toed, but they try and straighten you up with that fucking special shit. My mum trained it out of me. Yes. My dad's pigeon toed, and I had it. <laughs> see, so this you supports Sammy's theory okay. about being leftovers. Yeah, yeah, I was well, a leftover. I used to stare at kids at school like it was a fucking disformed thing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. There were cool girls at my school that used to they do it. They weren't very focused on going forward and I would go, fuck, I'm so you later. That tells me everything about you, mate. Mum despised it and she trained it out of me. There was something weird about it where you were worried there was something wrong with someone. <laughs> it's true. Fucking true. It is. I just remember thinking. That was the mark Thank God I'm not pigeon toe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought every four person was. Beware, we're saying. (laughs) And I used to look at pigeons and go, why do they call them that? (laughs) (laughs) The pigeons are fine. These cats are fucking weird. (laughs) The pigeons are normal. Yeah, the pigeons are doing great. Wow. (laughs) Let me tell you the end of this fucking story. Oh, yes. I know, I did get distracted by pigeons and whatever. But, um, once I got up to the front row, like they got all the way through their thing. The last song, and this is a Listen Like Thieves tour, I don't think they did a track off that album. I think it was a big track off The Swing and I can't remember which one it was. But Michael threw me a rose. Oh, my God. At the end. And I was just, I thought I was going to drop dead. Are you fucking I, kidding me? That's awesome. It's the truth. He would have seen the strange chick up the front. I was. Everyone else yeah. was in pastel. Of course they <laughs> yeah, were. They were yeah. Portman's out, mate. Yeah. Sports girl. He would have loved you. Yeah. How awesome. Absolutely. That's fucking cool. Yeah. It was a good moment. I only saw an excess at Australian made. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're right, right. Okay. I saw an excess at Australian made. But it was they were last on. And I remember being thirteen and it was dark and I knew I had to catch the train home. Where was it? At the music bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Music bowl, I think it was. But they were great, but Barnsley was sort of like the highlight then. Yeah. 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 So he kind of overshadowed them a bit. And I never saw them 
you know, he came out and did good times and they came out in the merch and stuff and I was like, oh, I don't want to see this. Yeah. No. I love Bunsy, don't get me wrong, but good times, fucking Maddie loves it and I'm like, nah, never nah, doing that no now. Good. Oh, really? Mm. Ah. No, it's not right. All right, well, sort of like come, you know, you saw them in 85, Dallas, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Come 86, they were actually supporting Queen at Wembley. So they were sort of fucking on the map well and truly, you know. So that sort of previous album, I wouldn't say so much listen like these, but I would have said the previous album would have really, they would have got some longevity out of that definitely, yeah. I don't, I sort of, I don't overly rate listen like thieves. No. Um, but definitely the year after things started getting massive. And I mean like fucking playing Wembley and, and supporting Queen. Like What you, you know. need was a bit fun though. It was, yeah. That was a big track, yeah. yeah. I'm not into it personally but, yeah, it was a big track. Yeah. So are we talking about kick here? No, this is Listen Like Thieves. Oh, Listen Like Thieves? Yeah. yeah. This is sort of like. Yeah, I overlooked that. Yeah. As yeah. soon as they're in the desert I lost interest. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're yeah. doing out there. No. Didn't they should have just brought a big bulldozer on stage and fucking tipped the dirt all on the stage. That would have been a fucking highlight for me. <laughs> <laughs> not interested. I don't know what they're on about. Dirt. A, a little like segue dirt. into Midnight Oil. Yeah, you know? yeah, Midnight Oil. Wembley Stadium is interesting because people think you get that gig for free. You actually pay per minute Fuck yeah. 60 grand a minute yeah. to what play there. Mm. It's not free. For the privilege. So oh. you pay. Tina Arena had an interview years ago when she did Chains and everyone loved her for five minutes. We still love you, Tina. Chains. Tina. Chines. I'm in Chains. Ralph Carr, you want guy? Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, basically it, she said or one of the – one of the people I was speaking to when I met her said that I think it was 60000 a minute to work Wembley Stadium. So you had to Fuck. guarantee the crowd, you know. You really did. Mm. But you wanted to look at his side project, yeah? Not just yet. Not just yet? Not cool. Just yet. We're not ready? No, nah, not ready. No. So the, the following year, 87, they would release Kick. Things would oh. completely change. And here it is. There we go. Yeah. 
big commercial sound. Listen to that intro mm. with the fucking horns and everything. Mm. Big departure in sound going really huge. This was a big pop release, you know. They were really putting them or, or uh, you know, trying to put themselves up there and out there. Yeah. I love the brass, I must say, in this. Yep. Well, the I saxophone sounds the one thing that's remained oh, the God, same. Oh, God, yeah. And, in fact, even the production of it is is almost identical to how it's been right from the start. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I do like the energy behind it. Yeah, mm. I, I just and didn't, I do see what they're it. trying to do. Yeah. Uh, because I, what you, when, I mean, this is going into, when we do Rewind 80s and you do the saxophone in Never Terrace Park. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. And it's another saxophone solo that everyone knows. It is. Not so dumb shitty as fucking Careless Whispers. You know what I mean? Because we don't hear that in the elevator. But, um, yeah, I love it. And I think he really – who made you want to learn sax? That's what I'm getting at. I'm it not, wasn't Kirk, surely. Oh, no. It, it, it Kirk's wasn't. Lemonade. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> it was not. Or maybe it was a bit. Really? It could have been a bit in there. But I just, I, I don't know, I just thought it was quite cool because um, when I got the option of learning it, it was this in high school, you know, mm. um, it was in everything. Yeah, it was. I desperately wanted to learn sax. And there was no other rock instruments Still available time. at school. I mean, that was it. Yeah. And what he can do? You're good at blowing things. You could do it. I could. <laughs> yeah, and the fingering. I'm good at yeah, fingering. fingering. You can do it. Yeah. I can see you playing yeah. sax. Never too late, is it? No. You know. Yeah. I'll oh. just say to my saxophone students: if you can play the recorder, you can do this. <laughs> really? <laughs> that would have that inspired so the fuck great. out of me. I'm sorry. Oh, but I know what you're saying. But it's though. the same fingering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you know I should it. say that to Maddie at night. If you can play the recorder, you can play this. <laughs> if you can play the recorder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Fuck that'll start out. our fucking, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you're just going to break it down to the simplest element. <laughs> well, that's right. I always say to my singing students, never underestimate your voice when you're listening to another singer because they may not have the same range as you and you might be higher. And the yeah. kids look at me like I'm a weirdo. Mm. Or lower. But it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to this spooky chick off Tinder or whatever they fucking put songs on nowadays, not Tinder. God. TikTok. 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 Oh, TikTok. TikTok. And they think these people are great and you're like, dude, fucking, that's dog shit. Yeah. You know. What are you thinking? I know I'm old but I know that's shit. Yeah. Yeah. Don't they don't know what shit you know they don't know what shit. Anyway, this album, um, uh, Kick, the, the the sort of US contingent of the management and pro- promotion team that was behind them, the label and so forth, really didn't get it. They really didn't get it. We know this. We've spoken about it before. They sort of offered them a million dollars just to throw it in the bin and start again. They didn't yeah. get it. Whereas NXS really believed in it, and especially Chris Murphy, and I think. You know, there's some story about him um, taking a second mortgage out in his house to sort of sort of pay for the promotion yeah, and everything because I the label wouldn't if. do it. 
Yeah. The label wouldn't do it. They did not get it. They just thought that Need You Tonight was just a joke. They didn't get it. They didn't see a single, you know, and it's hilarious because it is a really strong album, obviously. Yeah. Very yeah. poppy and things yeah. would be like this for a while for them. Um, and uh, the way that they sort of counted this was uh, playing the colleges, playing mm. the college circuit, you know, and this was um, this would become a big trend then for bands. It was, yeah. For ages and ages is to sort of really get really get a grassroots thing, you know. But in Australia they do the mining towns. Get to the drug addicts first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in the US they do the colleges and that's what they did. And it was like the beginning of like a really extensive USA tour. They were just fucking going nuts. Americans, I love Americans, but when it comes to record execs, they're very conservative. Oh, fucking unbelievable. And it's either Michael Bolton or nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really so, weird safe choices, you yeah. know. Yeah. Because it, it is a little bit Australian as well. This is the thing. Mm. It's American sounding but it's actually really Australian. Well, weirdly it's an English producer. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah. where it gets weird for me. Mm. And it's the producer, at least producer worked with the Beatles and Pink Floyd and really British yeah. stuff and yet got this very American sound out of the band. And I think… Who was the producer? I can't remember his name. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh. Um, but I think that… What that reflects to me is that this was the band's direction. A guy yeah. called Chris Thomas. Right, Chris yeah. Thomas. So they had their sights set on the States and they've come in with songs that are pretty much produced and ready to go. And and they sound really polished in this record. Mm. They sound really beautiful. And yeah. The production's gorgeous on it. But I just don't dig the songs but I can I, – I, they, they are – yeah, they're ready for the American market. For me, mm. there's a little bit too much space in these songs. I'm not yeah, getting right. the interesting shit going on. Yeah, yeah. It's like they added a brass section and then there's nothing, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. A little oh, bit yeah. spacey. Yeah. Well, they've been going, they've gone from a producer that did albums for the Bad Seeds and Gang yeah, of Four. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. Great bands, yeah. post punk bands. Yeah. To a producer that's worked with these classic rock dinosaur yeah. bands. You know, yeah, I, well, I that's just don't right. think it, um, to me, it wasn't a step forward, but I know for the world it was. And for their career, it certainly was. Of course. You've, you've so clearly to, I know nothing. You've got to admit like the guitars on this of like fucking incredible. You like think of the riffs from, they are. from like Devil Inside and New Sensation. And, yeah. They're know, memorable. Like yeah. They're memorable, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It's complex and interesting and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Big, you know, really, really made things explode for them this did. This mm. um, and and in terms of albums, I mean, this would be this. They would get so much mileage out of this. This would take them right through to the end of the eighties. Uh, they would once it, you know, once it, it was a bit of a slow burn in the US, but once it exploded, it really exploded, and went all around the world. And they were the biggest band in the world. You know, yeah. that they, they were the biggest band in the world, and at supported that time. by their live shows. Yeah, that's their live shows, which were. You know, so different and 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 loose. Yeah, yeah. Michael just to, completely spellbinding, and they they were just sort of um, really exploring how big they could go as yeah. a band, and you know, and they they stepped up. 
They really stepped up. Some bands, when they kind of hit this mark, become a bit of a parody of themselves. And I think of something like, oh, and I hate to even fucking draw the comparison, but Coldplay, I don't think Coldplay lived up to being a big band like that. You know what I mean? No, I it's not just... enough to punce around barefoot on the stage, is it? You've got, to, <laughs> you've got to do something better than that. I, I don't get Coldplay at all. Just like I when do. they started. I think their songwriting is really exceptional. I must yeah, think. right. But uh, Hutchins still had that alternative boy, skinny, chic yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah. And he kept that. And yeah. that, you know, because he knew that was intriguing and, yeah. and I think it was a really honest representation of yeah. himself as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think his performance integrity remained really intact. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think though this is when things really, you know, this and the subsequent years were the years that really burnt Michael out and because they were just touring. Touring, gigging every single night. And you he know. was taking shitload of drugs. They all were. You know, mm. they, they all were. It, it just really skewed their sense of reality. He just needed a rest. Like he wanted – he loved being around his mates. He loved his sort of inner circle. Fuck, it's got to take its toll on you, you know. Hundreds and hundreds of gigs a year, mm. you know, just just nuts. And cramming in a movie in there as well. Oh, yeah, in, absolutely. With Dogs in Space. Oh, that's which was right. fantastic. I that, love that movie too. That was rela- um, <clears throat> I think I was too young to go to the theatre and see it. But yep. I did sneak in yeah, yeah. to um, I think it was mm. Brighton Bay. Um, yeah, of course it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and went and saw Dogs in Space and um, yeah, maybe yeah. I just thought it was incredible. Alana yeah. Hill's in that. She is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's too. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's I right. thought Michael looked great in it. Yeah. Mm. But I loved Sasha. Mm. Is it Sasha or Scott? She's not that far gone she herself. Just, yeah, she died. Recently. She did. Yeah, mm. very bad. Yeah. I, she was hot. She was beautiful. An amazing looking woman, and oh. I loved the scenes where they went through the pubs and everything. Yeah, I thought Michael wasn't very good at acting. though. I don't think so. No, weird, isn't it? The because grunting like, didn't work for me. But that's all he needed to do. Really, he was that big. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was quite a realistic portrayal. Well, true of Sam. I've gone Sam's out with Jaffa. grunters. Yes. And mm. Um, what was of Sam's course, band? Bear Garden. Yeah, bear yeah. Garden. Mm. Okay, I forgot so, all about that. Yes, yeah, so I had a Bear Garden poster on my wall. Oh, did you? <laughs> of course, you did. I did. <laughs> um, but and I think I'm even friends with him on Facebook. God, I think I've seen him know. at Revolver a couple but of times in the nineties. Richard Lowenstein was friends with him, so I think that right. the portrayal was probably quite and you, clever. You know, realistic. possibly very authentic, but sometimes there's a gap between. Authenticity and doing that, and it just doesn't transfer yeah. somehow. It just doesn't sort of cross into film. It was you know a film I mean? made for the people in the film. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was a film made for the scene, so everyone could look at it and go, "That yes." Yeah. And what I did the scene think of it? Do you know? Did they love it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's very credible. Mm. I mean, it's very cultish, isn't it? And mm. everyone loves it. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, oh, I would have liked some dialogue. Originally, from um. Tex, yeah. Tex Perkins was cast. Really? Right. No. Yeah. But that doesn't work, does no. it? Oh, Tex yeah, is no. pretty, but he's a bit sort of buffy. He's a bit too yeah. tall. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, the, the house was so – he would have had to kneel under the door. Oh, oh. Now, 
been where, in that Where house. in St Kilda is it? It's in Richmond. Richmond. Oh, in Richmond. Yeah. It's near Molly's oh, house, I think, fuck, isn't it? Really? No, it's just it's just off Bridge Road. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Tell me. I want to see it. Uh, I got, my friend lived opposite it. We used to look at it all the time. Wow. Mm. God, you're fucking yeah. awesome. Your friend lives opposite the Dogs you, in Space House. The Dogs in Space House. Who <laughs> says <laughs> that shit? I mean, I come out with some rippers, but you fucking top them. Yeah, so as far as I know, I mean, I haven't been down that street for My friend years. lives opposite yeah, the Dogs in Space there. House. Yeah, so I good. would know many a gay man that would be chasing your ass after that information. <laughs> <laughs> tell you. But no, no, I haven't been now. there for ages. I don't know if it's still exact. But Maybe it, but we could do a Patreon out the front of it. Yeah, but a few years go. ago it was exactly as, as the movie said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. how fucking cool. Yeah, but I'm sure it's been renovated. Yeah, God, somebody would have got to it. It's yeah. got a dishwasher now. I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah. Open plan kitchen. Yeah, yeah. God, like an area greenhouse. They've knocked the dunny down. Oh. Oh. God. it's not pale blue anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, in sort of 88, of course, they would be reaping heaps and heaps of reward, uh, rewards, awards, you know, and really sort of cementing their image and their presence in the international music world. Um, Michael had this <laughs> Michael had this fantastic uh, just acceptance speech. It was very short. He said, uh, support animal and human rights and hello, mum. And then he went <laughs> I just love that what so a much. Creature. That's a everything I want creature. to express just in a cup, in a handful of words, you know. Yeah. And that's all we wanted from him. Yeah. And yeah. that's the good old thing of rock stars in those days that were mysterious. Yeah. yeah. And they had something about them you just wanted to know who and, they were. And they had somewhere else to go for fuck's sake. Yeah, they, they had another bong. You know, they weren't interested. You fucking t- say two words and fuck off. That's what they were, they were exciting. They were going somewhere fucking cool. <laughs> and I think in those days you didn't have to work as hard in the crowd, like when I say that, you don't have to befriend them on Facebook. You don't have yeah. to fucking Instagram them. You don't have to acknowledge them every fucking five minutes of the day. That's right. Yeah, there wasn't <clears throat> that whole "Hi, Michelle, how yeah. you going? Thanks for buying a t-shirt." None of that happened. No, no. <laughs> who's Michelle? I don't know, but she's fucking not she's coming to my toed. gig. She's pigeon toed for sure. She's, right. Yeah, she got the pointy <laughs> shoes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, she's got her pointy shoes on. Yeah. But I you can't know, believe I said that. What <laughs> year was that? Oh, years ago. At the spot or something? Years ago, yeah. They're yeah, fucking oh, walking in the with their fucking pigeon toed girlfriend. <laughs> God. But, but you know, now. All these rock stars, every second of their life is documented on yeah. fucking Instagram. Yeah. Today yeah. I'm eating cornflakes with pine and clay. <laughs> oh, yeah. fucking yeah. hell. Oh. If only they would. Yeah. All right, so they sort of – they could really feel the landscape because they were sort of, you know, around the, the upper echelons of music, in international music. They could really feel the landscape of music changing and especially Michael – and it was sort of frustrating him a little bit. He well, a lot, you know. They, they um, he really wanted to do different stuff. He felt that they had like branded their sound by then, and the band generally were a bit reluctant to try new things, especially to the pace that he wanted to try them out. Do we have any more tracks from Kick? No. That's cool because I'm I'm ready we to don't move really on. Really like them. Mm. All right. This well, is like, more interesting. What you're yeah, 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 about yeah, now. yeah. We're going to start sort of rounding things up now, and it's sort of um, interesting what happened. Everyone 
at the time absolutely loved what was happening except Chris Murphy. I think Michael wanted to sort of explore other stuff. He was getting really sort of antsy. In He was getting obviously burnt out. He was getting a bit sort of cynical and sarcastic in interviews and stuff. And I remember they said like they said something to him like in an interview as like, how how much more of your life are you going to devote to in excess? And he said, about three months. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. He sort of, um, he, unbeknownst to the band, they just sort of weren't flexible enough for him. He hated confrontation and he just sort of went off and was dabbling with a guy called Ollie Olsen. Ollie Olsen's sort of big... You know, if you're from Melbourne, you'll you'll know Ollie Olsen or know of Ollie Olsen. They started sort of, you know, jamming and doing some stuff together. And well, they, they, they originally did a track on the Dogs in Space soundtrack. Ah, of course. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, Ollie would write most of the songs on this album and the album and the act, of course, is called Max Q. About a hundred people were shot in the men during We could release that now in this time. Yeah, I was so okay. glad this happened. Yeah, me too. Really glad because I... I've, I was disappointed in it's terrible, isn't it? Laying your expectations no, on a band, but I, I was because it just wasn't my thing anymore, and I felt like it could have been I more don't know, something better for me. But yeah. it was better for other people. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. When when X came out in the nineties, in the early nineties, and Michael had sort of you know been dating Kylie and and all of that stuff. I really felt like X was like a kind of sequel album or sort of the offcuts from Kick. And it's like, oh, everything up until that point was really innovative, including this for Michael, yeah. you know. And, and it wasn't until X where I was just like, oh, okay. You know, it's sort of like coasting. Yeah. It, it's it, you, the, the sort of upward mobility ha, is now plateauing a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you know, I know a, th- a single track off it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Suicide Blonde was on it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't mind that. Mm. 
Mm. Mm. I actually, I did like. It's it. a strong track. Everyone they fucking sort of fell over look. In they the thumped 90s. the shit out of that song, uh, mm. uh, mainly because they were trying to reclaim the brand because things sort of had taken such a dent from Max Q because everybody fucking loved it. That was really good. Everybody yeah. loved it. It was so evocative <clears throat> and political, but just melodic and and full of hooks, and it was just so mysterious and sort of. Um, Chris Murphy absolutely ha- – it was like the Antichrist. You couldn't yeah. even mention it. You couldn't even mention Max Q. Mm. You know, you weren't allowed to enjoy it and certainly weren't allowed to say it if you did, you know. And his his kind of remedy to that was um, he said to – and he didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want to help Michael promote it or anything like that. And he said to Michael like, you know, maybe the best thing that you can do is just like pretend it's not you. Oh fucking God. ridiculous. That's crazy. That would have killed Michael. Yeah. You know, that's fucking the dumbest thing he ever did. But did Michael give a shit at that stage? Like he was able to just go out and do this project with someone he respected and admired. It was very underground. It was very Melbourne. It was very credible. I think he felt a bit betrayed. Right. I think he felt a bit betrayed. And because Chris had sort of um, demonised it so much, everyone – including members of the band, were scared to really like throw them their support behind it. You know what I mean? I think they were largely supportive of him. Except like I remember that the, there was this um there was this quote because Michael also cut his hair. And this was I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was like a kind of Samson and Delilah moment, really. And it was really kind of like that was his – that look of him with the long fucking beautiful hair and everything was so associated with the zenith of in excess at that time that cutting it off was also like such a rebellion and sort of cutting the brand down as well. I don't know. And he appeared on the Grammys uh, presenting an award, um, you know, like a, a carryover award. He was coming on to present it for the, for the winning artist that year. And the moment he appeared on stage and he had that short sort of sh- – Oh, it, 90s haircut. Yeah, it wasn't particularly complimentary. It wasn't a great haircut. No, everyone went for that look. Yeah, yeah. And on Michael it didn't look great. I've got to admit I wasn't into it. You I know, know I liked it. On. No, I yeah. liked I liked him. Yeah, right. Because he was still shaggy and a little bit wild. Yeah, right, just, right. Yeah. When I think it was Kirk Pengilly, when per- Kirk – Pengilly saw it, he said to his wife, put away the credit cards because we're done. <laughs> oh, God. What a fickle industry. God, Fucking how hell. Just from seeing Michael, like it's it, it sort of cemented because he would have been privy to like everything that was happening behind the scenes. Yeah, and yeah. when that was happening publicly, it was like, fuck, you know, that's us, you know. Who said that? Sorry, Kirk. I think it was Kirk Pengilly. Well, they would have been looking at the bank account, mate. Mm. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. And and the thing is, Chris Murphy started off as a cover band guy. You yeah. can take the guy out of a cover band <laughs> situation, <laughs> yeah. but you can't take the agent out of a fucking situation. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like he's come from cover bands. He doesn't want anything articulate or anything crazy to happen. Yeah, he wants the money to come in, and if the money's not there. It's no interest. Well, yeah. that's his job. Making, it is his yeah. job but Making some the of them hash. don't hear the other stuff. But we also – I was hanging around Melbourne and seeing Ollie because he was hanging out at da-da-da-da. 
There was a lot of drugs involved with that band. Oh, yeah. And a lot of direction that was, which is probably what made it work, mm. where Chris probably thought all this fucking time I've taken you to America and reshaped your career or yeah. whatever, now you've given me it this. It's this. like giving yeah. your tomato soup to a fucking your family for dinner, you know, <laughs> like fuck. Oh, but, yeah. but in saying that it would have broken him mm. and – Dynamics change within a band where everyone sees each other differently after a while. Yeah. That sometimes it gets really tricky unless you stand outside of it to realise what you've got. Yeah. Because he eventually goes back, doesn't he? Yeah, and he really gave it a go. He really gave it a go. Like um, in his private life things were going beautifully for him as well. He had, you know, they had a little bit of time off. They had a year off and it was they needed it. They mm. needed it for their for their mental health. Fuck yeah. You know, people didn't talk in terms of mental health back then. But these days you would have said I need to do it for my mental health. Everybody would have been like, yeah, cool. They really needed it. But that year apart, music had completely changed. Grunge had come in and they they were on the outer, you know. It was starting to sound vintagey, you know, and they weren't that old, really, you know. But, but it, weirdly, their new stuff was starting to sound vintagey. Yeah, their old stuff was starting to sound more and more relevant. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. More more, yeah. If they had have done that, yeah, absolutely. If they had have done that, it would would have connected with the more sort of oasis. Yeah. You know, vibe that was coming in. Not so much the grunge, but more the you know, you know, more the sort of British element, maybe or yeah. something. See, Nick Lornay was still kicking goals. Yeah, during yeah. that period, he Absolutely. was moving ahead, making great records. Yeah, yeah. he was. You know, yeah. and they didn't go back to Nick. I no. always wondered why. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Hutch fruited his girlfriend or something. I don't know. Who knows? Nah, I don't think so. Nick no. moved to America, didn't he, and did all these. Mm. Did everything from there. Because yeah. Maddie went to a party at Nick Lornay's house or some house in America. And in America when you go to a party, they're shooting fucking, you know, you're shooting rifles underneath the house. There's like shooting <laughs> galleries and shit. Like real guns. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's how they party in America. Yeah. You know, you go, go to shoot a, fucking, a gun. Go down and have some shots and have some shots on the gun, you know, that kind of stuff. In, in areas and Maddie said there was a fucking shooting out in, <laughs> in this party and I'm with Nick Lornay and I'm like, what the fuck's going on, you know? And I know that I don't know if there was a discussion about it or anything but some artists find it really hard to step backwards because it's like admitting defeat or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like retreating. It but feels I like also, retreating. Yeah, I also think when someone says to you, I want a break from the music industry and I want a year off, you don't really go out and do another project, do you? Unless you're yeah. really sick of the band. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this is where I think the dynamic would have just fucking changed Yeah, where they all hate each other. Mm. You might do a solo project. I mean that worked for, for Radiohead, you know. Yeah. Tom York goes off and does some solo stuff and movie stuff and this and that. But they're I think tight. it's smart to stop completely. Mm. You know? No, well, this was a definite I'm leaving though, wasn't it? And I'm not into it anymore. I don't think they ever. No. I think he just wanted a bit of a longer leash and they would, and Chris wouldn't really give it to him. 
Yeah, he would and, have been hardcore. And he was like just – he felt a bit betrayed by the rest of the team's reaction to that. They sort of wanted to protect in, ex- in excess rather than just be mates. Yeah, but Michael can, had discovered the underground, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You discover that shit. And once you, realize, you go black, you don't go yeah. black. Yeah. You know, you fucking – you can once you go black, you don't go back. <laughs> Once you're a bat, you don't yeah, you fucking do. walk. Yeah, um, <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. you are. <laughs> now I'd like to sort of end on a on a positive note for this. Uh, with this period, what was happening for Michael in his personal life in and around this sort of year off was he had a romance with Kylie Minogue. It was a really beautiful relationship that they had and I know we sort of have our um, – we have our conceptions and misconceptions about them, you know, being rock star and pop star and, and the sort of the, the marketing possibilities for it and everything. At the end of the day, they were just like two young people like in in love. There's some beautiful footage on a documentary called Mystify that Kylie oh. sort of donated to the project. I haven't seen that yet. It's so beautiful this moment. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's another Richard yeah. Lowenstein thing where yeah. he pulled a lot of um, old footage out as well. So there's a lot to be seen in this doco that you haven't seen before and particularly the stuff that Kylie sort of donates to the project, really, really beautiful. They're just like two young kids in love. They're Obviously so much in love. Like it's really beautiful and it's so compelling just to sort of on a, on another sort of from another perspective see these two stars just sort of feeding off each other's light. It's just so beautiful, you know. Well, he he changed her world. Yeah, And yeah. she loved him I think she really changed his world as well. She really sort of. Oh, look, absolutely. But her career. Yeah. Went from fucking bubblegum to all of a sudden better the devil you know comes out and you can tell she's fucking someone yeah. important. She's been she's shagged well. Sexual and yeah. she's this beautiful. Like I really like even I pricked up, you know, and went, yeah. Jesus, what's happened to Kyle? Yeah. And next you know, thing you know, she's duetting with Nick Gave. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. he corrupted her a bit. But in saying that, you're right. Kylie would have been really fucking secretive. Really fucking, she, you could have trusted her. Yeah. Trustworthy yeah. woman. Yeah. Great chick and not what people think she mm, is. Yeah. She's, she's um, you know, and back in those days she was a knockabout chick from the suburbs of Melbourne, you know, mm. and and um, he would have loved that. He would have, she's, she's a little bit, even though Kylie is like a fairy in people's eyes. <laughs> she's Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, which was meant to be um, Ozzy Osbourne. Isn't that weird? What, Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell was Ozzy meant Osborne. to be. Yep, what? yep. That's the direction that Baz Luhrmann was wow, going to go. he's so out there, isn't he? Yeah. yeah that's wacky. Yeah. The big scream at the end with the, with the fucking absinthe fairy is Ozzy. He actually used <laughs> Ozzy for some of the recordings. Hilarious. That's how far he got into it. And then at the last minute he, he used Kylie Minogue. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, um, she, um, she, she, he would have loved that she, yeah, even though she's like a fairy, she's a bit boysy. She's a bit blokey. There's something underneath a bit sort of tomboyish about Kylie and he would have loved that, I imagine, you mm. know. Um, yeah, so check out Mystify. Beautiful, beautiful Yeah, I'd footage. love to see that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I have always said Zach's got a son 
Jack. Yeah. And Zach is very rock and roll. And I said to Zach years ago, I said, your son is going to go out with a pop queen. He's going to learn all these instruments and be like his dad, but he'll end up fucking someone like Kylie Minogue. I can already see it. And he goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I said, you watch. So I'm waiting for that to happen. Ah, then I go. can die. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. yeah, no, awesome. So there we go. We're up to 1989 and there mm. we go. Now the following year sort of Suicide Blonde would come out. They would tour again throughout Australia with X and um, Suicide Blonde famously being about Kylie Minogue. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. That's right. Look, the rest is history. We all know how it went and I'd love to end on a high note with this. I, th- I think the sort of the body of music that we've looked at tonight and what it represents within those albums, go and check out the albums, especially the earlier stuff, like fucking incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, on on an end note, um, in excess, Natalie Miller and Angie Becker went out on the last gig for the before he died and they were speaking to him the night before he died and said he was in the best spirits and he was a lot of fun and blah 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 um when she came back to melbourne after that happened because they obviously stopped the tour it was a whole healing process because i was doing yoga with her at that time and she was a mess it just a the ripple effect of everyone in the world but the people that were in the crew on that tour and Angie was one of them and, and Natalie Miller, yeah. believe it or not, yeah, it was absolutely the fear and the sh- everything they were afraid and they were in disbelief and, oh, I felt like I'd lived it almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just watched the footage the other – I think there was a – a docu- documentary, it was either 60 Minutes at SN or something, whatever it is, and they did show this footage of the last rehearsal and stuff and it just brings back such horrible feelings yeah. for me. You I know? remember it so clearly. Mm. Um, I had tickets to that show. You know, I, I had tickets to that tour. Wow. Um, and, um, yeah, really, I still remember it so clearly, mm. you know. I'd, I'd well and truly lost interest in the band, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, by that stage. You were going to Nick Cave in the Black Sea. Well, well there was something about Michael that, I don't know, I felt close to him because musically he'd been so iconic to me when I was when I was really young and, um, and he, you know, had connections within the community as well. Yeah, that of I course. Understood. Yeah, you know, I had at least two friends that dated Ollie Olsen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just... Another pigeon toad. <laughs> oh, Another yeah. pigeon toad. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Fuck so you. when Michael died, even though I wasn't on board with what he was doing within excess, I was on board with what he was doing in his solo. Well, I brought I mean, the last solo album. I thought it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was great. It was yeah. good. And, um, and yeah, I, I just... Vividly remember that moment here. I kind of felt like he was losing himself a lot though at the end because of fucking Blondie. Paula. Yeah. Paula. Fucking hell. Mm. Paula. I like You know that that, um, Bono song? I think it's a Bono song rather than a U2 song. Maybe it's a U2 song. But you know that you've got to get yourself together. That's about Hutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were good friends. Songs. They were really good friends. They were all worried about him, you know. They were all sort of 
worried about him. He's he kind of he had that sort of terrible accident where he got sort of assaulted by a taxi driver yeah. when he was with uh, Helena, and um, um, he fell to the ground, knocked his head on the on the pavement, and lost his sense of smell. Cab driver yeah. or some yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and he was inter- never the same. Yeah, the interesting thing is, I think on a spiritual level, the boys in the band are still dreaming of him now to this day. Yeah. They get messages and dreams and, and see Michael. So they were incredibly connected like a force obviously yeah. meant to be together on this planet at this time. That's right. And Michael's just gone like Tinkerbell up into the air and they're, I think that keeps them, I guess, happy. Connected yeah. somehow. Yeah. Because uh, I remember seeing an interview with the boys, like I just saw Michael and he spoke to me and that's really hardcore because I, I don't think I've ever – if people don't want you to know about them, they won't come into your dreams. Yeah, yeah, if There's nothing right. left to say. Yeah. Sometimes they're really happy or they know you can't live without them knowing they're not happy. And I found that really, really interesting because I do believe they communicate if you're lucky in your dreams or just anywhere. Yeah. Well, this whole conversation really turned toward Michael – because of, of what he did as a solo artist, obviously, and in, and in collaborations with other people and, and film. But really this started off being about in excess and they wouldn't have worked without every single member of that band being present. That's right. In that moment. Absolutely. At that time. And a lot of great bands are like that. I, I've got bands that I love and then the bass player leaves and like the next album I'm like, oh. You wouldn't have thought that the bass player would make the impact. Yeah. But it's not about their bass playing. It's about what happens when those people get into a room together. It's like and fucking them collaborate. Meant to be together. Yeah. And they don't just collaborate musically, they collaborate emotionally. Their lives collide. The people yeah. within their lives collide. And chemistry. It it just has to be a specific way to work. Yeah. And even not even like musically everything works, but I think they as a unit, understood each other th- in and out and were honest with each other. And like I said, I keep feeling like Michael would have needed a lot of direction with a couple of the boys. And then in the end, they just kind of went, you know what? He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. We've done it. Well, they've been on the ride. They mm. got off the yeah. ride. That's okay. That's right. You know? It can end unless you're you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just put Whatever. your album on iTunes for yeah. free. Yeah. Fucking do that. Fuck, like, I still can't get that fucking record oh, off my Jesus. fucking iTunes. <laughs> I want to fucking kill him. You just smash your phone and fucking <laughs> call it, wouldn't you? There wow. we go. Well, good on you guys. Thank you Yay. so much for joining us on that journey. Go, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've loved it as much as we love in excess. And, and we hope um, we've given you what you need. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh lovely segue. How, how artful was that? I know. Lovely, lovely. You've been waiting all My pink bits came out day for that. <laughs> Good on you guys. Do we want to promote a show or anything like that? What have we got to say? The, you well, know, the mixtape tour, of we course. We would have done Eddie's by now. So yeah. thanks for coming to Eddie's. And it was, was a, awesome. And it was a huge success. Oh, my success. God. It was such a psychic a revelation. And, and that girl called Karen, thanks for yeah, the dildo. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Good on and you, Karen. Michelle, thanks Added for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michelle's and all the back. Pigeon toads. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. All the fucking jitterbugs. Whatever. Good on you guys. But thanks, Dallas, for coming in for a oh, couple yeah. of it. Oh, it's been awesome. Yeah, you rock. Yeah, thanks for coming right. in. Good to have a third, like, person. 
Yeah, yeah. And we're Lovely. getting, you know. I didn't know what she was going <laughs> to no, say. No, neither did I. A third <laughs> alien. No, I thought you said a third shit person. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> we're all shit people here. It's yeah, okay. No, that's not what I was going to I just couldn't get the words right out of my mouth. Must have been why you were pissing me. I couldn't do it. Uh, Mercury retrograde <laughs> has just finished. So here we go. I'll be feeling better soon. Good on you guys. This is the 80s montage. If you love the show, please get your friends on board and please like, share, rate and review. Give us five stars. Follow the show. Become a subscriber. And the best thing you can do of all is become a Patreon. Please support us by becoming a shareholder in this amazing fucking company called the 80s montage. You can jump on board for as little as a dollar a month or for $10 a month you get all the free extra episodes. Well, they're not free. You have paid. Fucking tell ten dollars a month, and you, you know, get the behind the scenes chats that we have. That's right. You with me? Love yous, <laughs> love yous, love yous out there, you patrons. Now, if it's music, mateys, oh, cool shit from the eighties. We're gonna talk about it. Unreal. Unreal.